I'm so thankful that we have a God who always comes through. His timing's always perfect, but it's not always my timing. God is never late. He's never too early. He's always right on time. And I believe with all my heart, God's right on time right now. God's standard time is right now. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. God always does his work in the here and now. And so you've been waiting on the Lord, and God does work in your heart, in your life, in the waiting rooms of life. That's where we grow the most. But then we come to a point where God says, it's my time, and it's your time. And our time intersects. And I have a point for you that I'm going to change your life. And I believe this is the day. I believe that so many of you listening right now, the sound of my voice, watching online, or here at the Woodlands campus, or our Tascacita campus, or through our broadcast ministry, I believe so many of you are going to look back years from now on this day and say, that was the day, that was my time, that was God's time. That's where he met me right there, and he met my need in a miraculous way. That was when the light bulb came on, and I got it, and my life has never been the same. So I'm excited. This has been a great weekend. I'm so excited about what God is going to do. So let's just lift it up to him. Let's wait on him because he's the only one that can do it. Dear God, we come before you, and I just recognize that I'm powerless, Lord, to change one life. I can't even change my own life, Lord. But I thank you that you can change every one of us. So I just give up to your control and ask you to Speak your word through me, and Lord, speak it right into our hearts. And I pray that you would open up our spiritual eyes to really see it and let it soak into our hearts so that we can live it out. And I do, Lord, thank you that you're going to work miracles in lives because you love us so much. And you want to show us that you are real and that you love us and you have the power to change us. So do that in the next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, there was a pastor who loved to play golf, and one Saturday night, he noticed the weather on Sunday was supposed to be just perfect. So he started thinking, I never get to play golf on Sunday mornings. He was having a little pity party, feeling sorry for himself, thinking of all those heathen out there playing golf on Sunday morning. And he thought, I don't think it would hurt this one time if I missed church and went golfing. So he called his associate pastor late on Saturday night, and he said, I feel terrible. I've got a really high fever. I've been throwing up all afternoon. I've got aches, and I don't think I should be around anyone at church. That would be too selfish. So I don't think I can preach tomorrow morning. So could you throw a sermon together and preach the message? Well, the associate pastor was kind of panicked, but... But he said, it may not be very good, but sure. I'm sorry you're so sick, Pastor. I'll get the whole church to pray for you in the morning. Well, the next morning, the pastor got up really early, and he drove to a golf course a couple of hours away where he hoped no one would recognize him. And after 17 holes, he was playing the best golf of his life. Meanwhile, up in heaven, God and Gabriel were watching all of this. And Gabriel was really puzzled, and he said, 
God, are you gonna let him get away with this? I don't get it. And God said, of course not. Just watch what he does on the next hole. Well, the pastor got up on the 18th hole and he hit his tee shot on a par four. And it was a miracle drive that went 400 yards. It landed on the green, rolled into the cup for a hole and won. And Gabriel was really confused now. And he said, God, I thought you said you weren't gonna let him get away with this and then you make him get a hole in one? And God said, who's he gonna tell? (laughs) We all have things in our lives that we wanna hide. We pastors probably most of all. We all wanna act like we have it all together when none of us really do. We try to hide our mess and cover up our brokenness, and it keeps us from experiencing the power to change. That's why we're in this series that I'm calling Now or Never, because it's all about experiencing the power to change. Those changes you've been waiting for, God wants to give you now. It's now or never. And it really comes down to the power to change. So I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, and would you stand in honor of God's word and What a key passage today. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You can be seated. Did you get that? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us today to give us the power to change. Ironically, The only way that we can access this power is to admit that we're powerless. Look at Matthew 5.3. It's the first of eight Beatitudes that comes from the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And these eight Beatitudes are the steps to real life change. In Matthew 5.3, Jesus said, blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Jesus is saying those who find true happiness are those who realize they're helpless to change and they need God's help. Really, there are only two types of people in the world, those who know they need help and those who need help but don't know it. And Jesus is saying true change starts when you realize you're powerless to change. So here's step one to life change. I admit my powerlessness to change myself and control everything, and in my brokenness, I humbly admit my need for God and others. That's the first step. That's beatitude number one. And some of you are probably thinking, well, I don't really think I'm totally powerless. My problems aren't that bad. I'm not powerless. Well, let me ask you. Do you ever stay up late when you know that your body needs sleep? Do you ever eat or drink more calories than you know your body needs? Do you ever know the right thing to do, but you don't do it? Do you ever know that something is wrong, but you do it anyway? Are you ever in a situation where you know you should tell the truth, but you shade the truth and you lie so things are easier on yourself? Are you ever in a situation where you know you should act unselfishly, but you act selfishly anyway? You ever try to control a problem or fix a problem or change another person and things just get worse and more out of control and it just wears you out? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I just wanna say, welcome to the human race. 
The apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 7, 15. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I'm breaking, but I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Can anybody here relate to the Apostle Paul? Now, some of you are apparently more spiritual than the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul here. Some of you maybe think that you can't relate because you're more spiritual than the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. Well, I, for one, can relate to the Apostle Paul here. You see, I do things that aren't good for me, that are self-destructive. I know the things to do, but I don't do them. Or I do them for a while, then I fall back into the same negative habit patterns. I try to control circumstances that can't be controlled, and I just make things worse, and I wear myself out with worry, which is worthless. It's unhealthy, it does no good, but yet, I do it anyway. You see, I can relate to the Apostle Paul. We're all broken. We all need restoration. And the Bible says it's because of our sin nature, our flesh. As long as we live on this earth, we'll have our sin nature. We'll be living in our flesh. Now, when you commit your life to Christ, the Bible says you're a new creation on the inside. God makes all things new. You have a new true self that really wants to follow Christ. Your true self really wants to break free from destructive habits and sins. Your true self really wants to make positive changes that can make all the difference in your life. That's who you are once you receive Christ. But I know you're probably thinking, well, Carrie, why then do I keep falling into the same old sins and negative habits? It's because even though you're a new creation on the inside, you still have your old sin nature, your flesh, and your flesh wants to do whatever it feels like, uh, whenever it feels like it. And it's destructive for you. So what's the answer? How do I break free and live from my true self? How can I have the power to really change? And that's the question that Paul goes on to ask in the next verse. He says in Romans 7, 24, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? He says, how can I have the power to really change? Is there anyone who can give me the power to break free? In the next verse, Paul gives us the answer. In Romans 7, 25, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I wanna serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of my sin to do something totally different. Paul here says, Christ died and rose again, not just to forgive us of our sins, but also to give us the power to change. But I have to admit, like Paul, I'm powerless to change on my own because my sin nature is just too strong for me. And I have to surrender control to Christ's power because his power is already defeated, sin. Before we can surrender to Christ's power and break free, we have to see how we got stuck in the first place. 
we have to go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, God put Adam and Eve in this perfect place and he said, it's all yours to enjoy. I want you to enjoy life to the full. You can eat the fruit of any of these amazing trees except for this one because if you eat the fruit from this tree, you will surely die. But then the serpent, Satan, comes along and says, what? Did God tell you not to eat the fruit of this tree or you'll die? That's not true. God's lying to you. That's just not true. You see, God knows if you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll be like him, and he doesn't want that. He's trying to hold you back. You're not gonna die. It's just that God doesn't care about you. He doesn't want the best for you. And Adam and Eve believed the lie. So they disobeyed God, and they ate the fruit. And they didn't die physically. That would come years later. But at that moment, they died spiritually. And here's the point. Whatever you're stuck in started with a lie. Whatever you're stuck in in the present started with believing a lie from your past. Maybe it was a lie that to be accepted you needed to hide your struggles and your screw-ups. Or you started believing the lie that you needed to control things or everything's gonna fall apart. Or you started believing the lie that a sin wasn't that bad and you could control it and now it controls you and you're stuck in addiction. Whatever you're stuck in in the present started with believing a lie from your past. And if you believe a lie long enough, it builds a stronghold. If you, as a child, started believing a lie, because of your upbringing, there are all these lies that Satan wants to tell us as children. And as children, I mean, it's not really your fault, but now it is your responsibility to deal with it to realize the lie and stop believing that lie. You have to change your thinking with God's truth because you know your brain is just a piece of flesh. And so you have to retrain your brain. And our brains will believe all sorts of things. We'll lie to ourselves and believe it. And so you gotta actually change the ruts that are in your brain that have been developed over the years because of lies that you believed, and the only way you can do that is with God's truth. Immersing yourself with God's truth, and it actually changes the physiology of your brain like we talked about last week. And so that's why we're doing this now or never devotional. And I know so many of you have connected with us Monday through Friday, it's just five minutes. It's usually me, or it's Chris and I, or someone in our family, or one of our pastors, and it's just five minutes, video devotional on all our platforms, Monday through Friday, so go to it tomorrow, because we're picking one promise every day, and we're focusing on that promise, and man, there's some powerful promises in God's word that God wants to give directly to you, and he wants to use it to reshape your mind, to change the way you think. So to change, you need to change your thinking, but you've got to stop believing lies. But you also have to change your power source. You change your thinking, and you have to change your power source because when you're stuck, you have a choice. In pride, you can try to control everything, or you can surrender to God's power and his control. See, when Satan lied to Adam and Eve, the big lie was if you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. If you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. And that was the most appealing, and that's our biggest problem today. We want to be our own God. 
We play God and we don't trust God. We think we know better than God. So how do we play God? By trying to control everything for selfish reasons. We try to control our image. We spend a lot of time and effort trying to control our image so that you think I've got it all together. I don't want you to know that I don't have it all together because then you may not like me. You may reject me. And we have this great fear of rejection. We try to control other people when we can't even control our own actions. We try to control our problems. You come to church and someone says, how are you doing? And you say, oh, just great. When you're dying on the inside and your life is unraveling. Well, I heard you're going through a few problems. Oh, it's no problem, it's no big deal, I can handle it. When you're bleeding to death and your life is just falling apart and we try to control our problems, but the thing that we try to control most of all is our pain. We'll do just about anything to escape pain, to avoid pain, to anesthetize our pain. And a lot of our negative habit patterns are just trying to avoid pain, trying to get relief from pain. But it's pain that draws us to the only one who can heal. It's pain that God uses to get our attention to show us that we can't change in our own power and we need his power. It's pain that brings us to the one who can restore our lives and heal us. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. It's God's megaphone that gets our attention. You see, it's our pain that turns us to the only one who can give us peace and real joy and healing. It's our pain that turns us to the only one who can heal our brokenness. And that's why this first step is so important to admit that I'm poor in spirit, that I'm broken and powerless without God, and I need God and I need others for transformation. And surrender is the first step to real change. It all starts with surrender, and it's a daily process. We have to surrender every day, one day at a time, one moment at a time, and let God fill us with his power and his strength. It's a daily surrender. I like the way the message paraphrase puts the first beatitude in Matthew 5, 3. Jesus said, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope? Yeah, because when you finally come to the end of your rope and you realize you can't control it and you can't hold on any longer and you let go, God catches you and gives you his power. And some of you are at the end of your rope right now but you don't wanna admit it. You're still hanging on to the illusion of control. You're a 100 stories in the air, you're hanging on with one hand off the ledge and you're going, it's fine, I got it under control. Everything's great, no big deal. And you're just swinging there out on that ledge, a 100 stories up, and some of you are down to your peaky right now and you're going, it's great, everything's cool. And God is just waiting until you finally can't hold on any longer and you let go and that's when God says, Finally, I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this moment. And he catches you and he holds you in his arms and he begins to restore your life. It all comes down to surrender. When I realize I'm not God and I surrender control of my life to him and I let him begin changing me and I admit my brokenness and I need God's help and I need others. It's all about surrender. And when we surrender everything in our lives to God's care and control, He changes us. We experience his power to become who we really long to be in our true self. We see that God is real and that we can trust him because he loves us so much. 
And some of you are afraid to surrender all of your life to God because you think he'll mess up your life and make you miserable. That's a lie from Satan. God doesn't want to make you a religious nutcase or take away all the enjoyment from your life. In fact, it's just the opposite. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The more you surrender your life to Christ, the more you experience the fulfillment that you were made for. All through this series, we're gonna have some real life stories from Woodland Church of life change. And people ask me all the time, what's the secret to all the growth of Woodland Church. And I say, well, we have great worship, but that's not the secret. We have okay preaching, but that's not the secret. I say, we have an amazing children's ministry, and student, all this, but that's not the secret to what's going on here in the growth. It's life change. People's lives are changed by Jesus Christ, and they go out and tell everyone. That's what it's all about. So I want you to meet Kyle and Jennifer. You see, Kyle and Jennifer Phillips are great members in our church, and God is using them mightily, but like everyone else at Woodland Church who's come to know Christ, grown in Christ, they have an amazing story of life change. So give these guys a huge hand because it takes a lot of courage to do this. Hi, we're Colin Jennifer Phillips, as Pastor Kerry mentioned. We, uh, if you've been around the church for the last uh, 12 years or so, odds are you've probably seen us volunteering and serving in a number of different areas, for whether it be the children's ministry or the high school ministry or <laughs> special events, field, uh, VBS, uh, weekends, et cetera. Um, but if you knew or heard of us uh, you know, before that, uh, you wouldn't recognize uh, that couple or that family for sure. We are uh, a living and breathing example of God's never-ending grace and um, his never-ending pursuit uh, to chase us down. We, uh, yeah. we, we gladly say we felt like the one uh, where he left the 99 behind. It just took him uh, quite a while to catch us. Amen. Amen. Yeah, back in those days, we were really kind of not interested in serving at a church. We were more concerned with serving ourselves. Whatever made us happy is what we did. Um, from the outside looking in, we should have been happy. We should have, we had it all together, right? Kyle had a really successful job. I was a stay-at-home mom to our daughter. We lived in the Woodlands, the best neighborhood in the world, right? So we had a doodle. (laughs) We had a very busy social schedule, but if you knew us, which we hid very well, we were miserable. Um, Our marriage was falling apart. We spent very little time pouring into our daughter, let alone doing anything with her, and we spent the weekend fighting, drinking, and kind of on repeat, and that left us pretty empty. No doubt, and I think the, uh, you know, the amount of people that God has used through Woodlands Church is, uh, it's a long list, but there's one individual undeniably that uh, transformed our family uh, and our marriage especially, and that was our oldest daughter, Mackenzie's uh, kindergarten teacher, Mr. Randall, uh, and if it wasn't for him pouring into her uh, every Sunday morning and making church such a special place and a, a worry-free zone and, and kind of yeah. pouring into her, um, no telling where we'd be, uh, safe Amen. to say, because it was 90% of the time she was dragging us out of bed on Sunday morning saying, you got to take me to go see Mr. Randall. And I'm like, please, I'm trying to sleep off a hangover. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but literally after months of, um, you know, giving into that and then finally, you know, feeling God pulling uh, at our heartstrings, it was uh, undeniably that we knew we needed change. And uh, like I said, after a few months, God was saying, guys, you need to get involved. You got to get plugged in. You got to start tithing. 
And, uh, and we knew we did, um, you know, and at that time, Jeff mentioned I had a pretty good job, uh, but somehow, amazingly, at the end of each month, we still had no money left over. So when it came time to tithing, we, uh, we said, well, how are we going to do this? We got to cancel the country club membership. We got to redo our budget. We got to change our lifestyle, et cetera. Uh -huh. And ultimately ended up having to get a loan in order to read our budget just to start tithing. But wow. um, we're living proof you cannot outgive God, uh, whether it be with time, money, uh, talents, et cetera. And uh, within a few years, I'd been promoted a few times. And all of a sudden we look back and we're like, can you believe you know, what God has done for us? Yeah, it was kind of everything that we ever gave him. He not only fixed it, but he just, our, our cups overflowed. So when we started volunteering, we had been suffering from unexplained infertility for close to six years. Uh, we had wanted to grow our family, but doctors had told us that that probably was not going to happen. So when we looked for an area to volunteer, I had prayed to God and wrote down in my prayer journal, if you don't want to expand our family, then I trust you with it. It was the last thing and the hardest thing I ever gave to him. But I just said I can't control it. It wasn't. It was making me miserable trying, so I gave it to him. And I wrote in the journal, um, we will be better stewards of our time. We will give to the children you already have here on earth. So we started volunteering with Mr. Randall, and we started volunteering in August of 2011. And we found out, <laughs> we found out we were pregnant with our son in September of 2011. Yeah. So one month of volunteering. <laughs> and he has gone on to give us six beautiful children. So our cup is not only full, it overflows. <laughs> and we were very blessed by that. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we obviously felt God moving in our lives and we'd seen things, but um, didn't stop Satan from trying to pull at us still. And uh, I struggled with alcohol and um, Jennifer had constantly prayed for, for me to stop drinking and, and to you know, put that aside, but uh, for uh, quite some time. And uh, eventually I think reached the point where she said, okay, God, I, I give up on that prayer, but now I'm praying for you to let me accept Kyle's drinking. Um, but lo and behold, her prayer was answered by uh, one of Iowa's uh, finest, and uh, I got pulled over for a DUI and arrested. And uh, looking back, it was uh, undoubtedly my now or never moment. At the time, here we are trying to make big life changes and, uh, and knowing God is blessing those uh, attempts of us trying to do what was right. But it was, the, it was the gut punch and moment of clarity when you know, I'm sitting in a jail cell and, and thinking about what is Jennifer having explained to our, our friends and people that were volunteering with the church, you know, where's Kyle this Sunday? Um, but looking back, that was easy to say, you know, had it not been for that moment, there's no telling where I would have been or where our family would have been. Yeah, yeah so um, our life is a story of change. We can't explain to anyone with words how dying to yourself and serving others and following God and giving him every aspect of your life and, and telling people about the messy parts can allow him to just change it and not just change it, but make it beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, our life has been changed by the church, by the people here in the church and God has used the church and the people around us to just change the mess that we created into less of a mess that we're working on every single day. <laughs> I love it, man, that's awesome. God bless you guys, so awesome, proud of you. Wow. What a powerful story. And we're gonna hear more and more of those stories of life change because that's what our church is all about. Kyle told me that he was playing golf with a buddy recently and the guy just stopped and said, what's going on with you? I mean, you're a different person. Tell me about this. And he got a chance to share what Christ had done. And that's what it's all about. It's all about life change. God wants to change every one of our lives. And 
And it's a decision followed by a process. The decision is to first surrender your life to Christ. And then it's the process of surrendering, 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 surrendering to Christ. You know, as he continues to grow you and the more you surrender to him, the more you experience the life that you were made for. But some of you don't think that you're broken and powerless. Maybe your life's going pretty good right now and you're able to cover up your brokenness with a veneer of success. Uh, You can cover your mess with success. You can cover the mess that you really are with success or money or friends or popularity or recognition or even doing good works or having big accomplishments. But really, you're broken on the inside and you're a mess just like the rest of us. It's just pride. I'm not that broken. I'm not that powerless. That's just pride. And I guess you'll just have to get a little more pain in your life. And God allows that because he loves us. I guess you'll just have to experience a little more pain. Somebody said it was when the acid of my pain ate through the wall of my denial that I finally admitted how much I needed God. And God will allow that because it's pride. And I don't like to admit how broken I am. Well, God, am I that broken? Am I that? It's just pride. And pride keeps us from grace. Look at James 4, 6. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace is the power to change. Pride keeps us stuck. But it's grace that gives us the power to change. We admit we're powerless and we bring it to God. We get his grace. We don't deserve it, we get his grace. And that's the power that sets us free to change. So if you know that you're broken and that you're a mess and you don't have the power to change, then you're the one that God wants to give his power to. You're the one that God is excited about. You're the one that God accepts in his grace, the power to change because you know it, that you need it. It's his grace that sets us free to stop hiding and to step in the light of God's love and forgiveness and his grace, the power to change. You see, Satan uses shame to keep us stuck. He uses shame to keep us from grace because shame keeps us hiding and thinking, I can't tell anyone that. Shame keeps us hiding and stuck in our struggles and shame keeps us in the dark still trying to change it ourselves, and we can't do it. But when you step into the light of God's grace and you experience that power to change, it just sets you free. What do you do when you're filled with shame and guilt because the enemy will put that on you? You just step into the shame. Don't step out of it. Don't run away from it. That's a flight from God's grace. You step into the shame. You face it. You go right into it and bring it to the cross and you receive God's grace and forgiveness, you bring it right to the cross, and it gives God credit. It's like, wow, look how much I'm forgiven. The the slate's totally clean. He loves me perfectly because of what he did on the cross, so I'm gonna bring all my shame to the cross, Satan. Yeah, you're right, You're, you're telling me all these things. Yeah, I'm broken, but that's not my true self. I'm taking it all to the cross, and I thank God that I'm forgiven, and the slate is clean. So you take it to the cross, but you also take it to someone you trust because that brings healing. You take the shame and the light and forgiveness of the cross, you experience his grace, 
the power to change. I want you to hear another story of life change. Curtis Rosinski, he's a great young adult in our church who God is using powerfully, and he's another story of life change, how God changes lives through Woodland Church. So welcome, Curtis, one of my buddies. Yeah, love you. Um, man, what an honor and privilege to be here. Uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity because if I can say this, man, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and Woodlands Church, I genuinely don't know where I would be at today. Um, see, a lot of my stories started around middle school, high school, you know, coming into freshman year, um, playing basketball, uh, freshman and sophomore year playing varsity basketball. I, I really like was longing to fit in, right? And you just get uh, an opportunity, right, to start hanging with that upperclassman. And so for me, uh, a lot of my story was just like, okay, I want to follow and do whatever I can to try to fit in. And so that took me down a really dark path, right? I, I very quickly got involved in the party scene. I got involved in the drug scene. Um, and it really led to, to so much hurt in my own life. Uh, what's crazy is it escalated even farther, right? You know, I, I started hanging out with these different groups of friends. Um, and, then, and then down the road, right, it's like one step after the other. Um, man, my, my crowd became the drug dealers. And then I became that drug dealer. Um, and, and it was just like to talk about, man, the, this place that I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to fit in. Um, it, it led me to one of the darkest moments of my life. What, what's wild about all of this is I still continue to play basketball. Um, man, basketball was my life. Um, if you knew me, this is like what I, I, I genuinely every day was like eat, sleeping, and breathing basketball. Um, you know, and, and at this time, it was really beautiful because I was, I was about to verbally commit to a top 10 school in the nation for basketball, but, but shortly after, I found myself in jail. You know, I, I, I was stealing, right? And I, I ended up getting caught for stealing and I found myself in jail. And, and at that moment, I was like, well, my world just crashed around me, right? I went from training uh, with NBA basketball players to now being like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow. Um, but but I, I did, there was this now or never moment that I had and I experienced there. And, and I remember it's because I'm sitting there and right, I'm in there for about a week. Um, thank you, mom, for getting me out. Um, but <laughs> I was like straight to Whataburger. I was like, I need good food. But, uh, <laughs> but I remember I'm there and I'm, and I'm asking like the guys that I'm in there with, I'm like, man, what are y'all doing when you guys get out? Um, and, and they're like, well, we're gonna go back and do the same things that we were doing before. And I was like, man, that's not me. Like, that's not, that's not the life that I want. That's not what I want my story to be about. Um, and so that was kind of this now or never moment that I was like, okay, well, I've got to change my life. Um, and so, you know, I come out of that experience. Um, I moved to a new school. Um, in this process, man, this was, I would say, is the darkest year of my life because uh, I went from, you know, knowing everybody, hanging out with all different kinds of groups, playing basketball, but you can't transfer varsity to varsity. So I lost the thing that mattered the most to me. You know, I went from, from eating lunch uh, with all of my friends to now eating lunch in the library because I was too ashamed of, of the fact that people knew everything that I've done, right? Like parents wouldn't let their, their kids hang out with me. And, and so for me, there was just this moment where I was just like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore, right? Like I, I went from being the drug dealer, the party person, to now I'm on probation and I can't even find temporary satisfaction in my own out. And so I was like, man, is there even a purpose for me here anymore? And I remember having so many thoughts of just wanting to end my life. But what's crazy about all of this is I had, I had one friend who um, stuck with me throughout all of it, right? And it wasn't that we hung out every day, but, but man, he, he was praying for me. And uh, he invited me to come up to the church and, and praise God. It, and y'all are like, oh, this is great. Like he invited me to come play volleyball. 
Um, and, and so being, being the athletic guy that I was, I was like, awesome. Like we got four volleyball courts over here. I was like, praise God for student ministry. It's amazing. Um, and so I, I was up here every day that whole summer, right? Going into my senior year. And, and it was really funny because I don't think I ever stepped in the church once. <laughs> but, but, but I was like, man, these guys like know me. They like, I'm over here hitting the ball into the net saying cuss words and they're like, oh, we love you, man. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, I was like, this is where I need to be. And, and so we get to the end of summer and we have a volleyball tournament. Now, if you have a student or you've heard about it, it's King of the Beach. It's a major volleyball tournament. And at the end of it, they had a night of worship. I didn't know that, but my team made it to the very last day. And, and so my friend pulls me in and, uh, and, and it was just like, it was wild, right? There's 300 kids praising God. And I'm like, what is going on? But, but I remember there was just this moment, right? As I'm sitting there and, and God, you know, really spoke to my heart as the, the room went black. And he was like, man, you're not your mistakes. Like you're not too far gone. I love you. And, and, and that was just this moment where I was like, wow, what? Like knowing everything that I've done, like God met me at that point and said, I love you. Um, and it wrecked my heart. And I remember going into my senior year, I was, uh, it, it really did change everything because being the basketball player, I was like, awesome, I can play basketball again. But, but what's wild is uh, as our basketball coach reaches out to me and he's like, hey, let's talk about our season. I remember the response that I had for him was like, sorry, I've got more important things to do. And, and I was like, man, I've got to figure out what happened at that night of worship. I've got to figure out like, man, God spoke to my heart. What is this? You know, I had questions. And I needed answers. And so I got double early release. And I remember coming up here every day, every day, just asking questions. I was going to every service that I possibly could. Like, I, I'm dead serious. I was going to kids service. Like, I, like I was like, man, I, I'm hearing stories. I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I was like, dude, somebody got eaten by a fish. Like, what in the world? Um, but, but it was like, it transformed my life. Like, I was like, this is crazy. Um, and, and so being the senior, I was like, I went to a young adult service, which I shouldn't have been at, but I was there anyway. Um, but, but one night, Pastor Dillman was like, hey, let's split into groups of three and pray, um, pray over each other. And so I split into the, I, I joined these two guys who have never been there before, just to say that. Um, but man, when we started praying together, like God revealed everything that I had had hidden, right? Like imagine the shame, the guilt, the condemnation that I was carrying, right? I lied to my parents. Like I, I genuinely was just like holding on to all this hurt. And I was like, man, I'm a fraud. Like, I, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I was like, this is a lot. But, but I remember like God revealed it all to these guys. And I was like, wow. Like, I was like this, it, and, it, and it really, it hit me like a train because I was just like, man, like God, I, I have a lot of questions about you. But even though I have questions about you, you're still after my heart. And this was the moment that I genuinely surrendered my life to Christ. I was like, okay, God, like I, I have questions, but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that God, you want a relationship with me. Um, you know, he died, he, he died on the cross for our sins. And, and so that was this moment where I was like, okay, I'm gonna give my life to Christ. And so I did, I gave my life to Christ, um, was up here all yeah. the time. Yeah, Y'all can clap. Uh, but Man, it, it's really funny because it wasn't all like rainbows and butterflies. Um, and, and I know Pastor Kerry and Mark Miller can tell you so many stories um, about having to repent for a lot of things. But, uh, but, but there is, it's, it's the reality of like, man, there's a lot of things that, man, today as followers of Christ, there's things that we're still having to work through. You know, and, and we can allow, as Pastor Kerry's talking about, like we can allow shame to keep us from experiencing the blessings and the things that God wants to do in our life. And that was what I lived in for so, for so often. 
But as he was talking about John 10, 10, man, when God comes to offer us life, it's not just life for eternity, it's life here as well. And so when we surrender our life to him, man, he really does free us from the shame, the condemnation, the guilt. And it's a daily process, having to lay ourselves down, surrender, ask for forgiveness, and God meets us there every time. That's been my life. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so for you today, whether you're a believer, Uh, or not, man, if you're a believer and and you're not living a free lifestyle, let me tell you, man, confess your sins to a brother and receive healing. Confess your sins to the Lord and receive forgiveness and walk in the freedom that he has to offer you. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, man, let me tell you, God's after your heart. You are not too far gone. You are not dirty. Like God sees you. And and what's beautiful about this is is he says, he compares us not to silver and gold, the cost for our, our lives, It's his son, the precious blood of Jesus. Like God wants a relationship with you. And so, man, I just encourage you, man, put the paintbrush back in his hands and see what God can do with the things that you're ashamed of. He's beautiful. Awesome, that's awesome. So glad of you. Wow. Hey, that's the message right there. You know, that's the message from Curtis, and the Phillips, I mean, that's the mess. It's a message of life change, how Christ takes over our lives. But when we try to hide our secrets and our brokenness and act like we have it all together, we miss his grace, the power to change. In James 5, 16, it says, so admit your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Prayers offered by those who have God's approval are effective. So you get honest with God and you ask Christ for forgiveness of your sins and your brokenness, and you admit it to him, you receive forgiveness. But then when you get honest with another believer and you admit your brokenness and sins to them, you get healing and you start the walk in victory. You see, whenever you come to Christ with your sins, he forgives every time. His grace is always there for you. But he wants you to not only experience forgiveness, he also wants you to experience, experience healing and to break free from the things, the destructive sins and habits that keep you stuck and keep you loaded down with guilt and shame. He wants to not only give you forgiveness, he also wants to give you victory in the areas that you're struggling in. Because without that victory, Satan will load you down with shame and guilt that will keep you from being fully used by God the way he wants to use you. But when you admit it to Christ and receive his forgiveness, you admit it to another believer, you begin finding that healing. You start walking in victory and you start living the life that you were always meant to live. So today after the service, we're gonna have our prayer teams. We're gonna have pastors and our prayer teams out at the fountain if it's not raining. They will be right there under um, the, uh, the portico out there and they'll be out in the foyer if it is raining. And if you get wet, that's okay. You get sprinkled, then come back and get baptized. So. Um, <laughs> But I'm telling you, there is a healing rain that's falling. And if you tell them, they're not going, oh, I can't believe that. They're just going to pray for you, and the healing process will start. We have a restoration ministry every Tuesday night that's amazing. This huge group of people and new people coming all the time that say, hey, I'm broken. I need God's healing. And they're walking in healing. 
We have life groups that are so important. You gotta be in life together and you'll find someone that you can share with and walk with. It's so important. We have our membership class next weekend. You need a church family. It's from one to three on Sunday and that's how you join Woodland Church. You gotta sign up online. If you forget, come on anyway. So important for you to be a part of a church family. We have our counseling ministry where you can come up here and share with someone up here who's been trained in counseling. The first step to life change is to admit I'm powerless to change and in my brokenness humbly admit I need God and I need others. I can't do this on my own. Well, let's stand together, Woodland Church. I believe God wants to heal today. God wants to bring healing and strength and meet us right where we are because we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. And when you bring it into the light, you realize we're all in the same boat. We need healing and forgiveness and someone to walk with us along the way. And God heals, God forgives. I love what Curtis said, you're not too far gone. And if you're holding on in pride saying I'm not that bad, just give it up and just bring it to the Lord. His grace covers everything. I want us to pray right now. As we start this series, maybe you're a Christ follower, but you're trying to control things. I fall back into that every day. I have to surrender every day, one day at a time. In this series, God's gonna give you the power to break free from the things that you're stuck in. And he wants to work in your life. I wanna pray for you right now. Dear God, I thank you so much for everyone who's seeking to follow you, but Lord, they experience forgiveness, but they're not having the victory that you want them to have. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would just admit our powerlessness so we could receive your power to change. And I pray that you'd bring healing. Break us free, give us healing, give us strength, Lord. Work miracles in our lives over the next few weeks. Help us admit to others that we need prayer, that we're not doing great, that we need someone to care and to help us. And then, Lord, I just pray for those who've never surrendered to you the first time. Like Curtis said, just that surrender, that they would just surrender and receive you. And right now, they would just pray this prayer silently to you. Jesus Christ, I admit I can't do it on my own. I need you. I admit my brokenness and my sin, and I ask you to forgive me and heal me. I accept your free gift of salvation. I can't make it to heaven but I thank you, you've already made a way for me, so I accept your free gift of heaven. Now be the Lord of my life, help me grow one day at a time to keep surrendering to you, every area of my life. And then Lord, I also wanna pray for every believer here who's still holding on to some things, and Lord, just let what the Phillips said soak into them that the more they surrender to you, the more you fill their life. Lord, you want every part of us, the things that are most important are you want our schedules, our, our finances, our time, our talents. You want to be first in all of it, and you want to show us how real you are, that you're going to give us back so much more in every way because you want us to have life to the full. We ask you for miracles, Lord, and then help us, Lord, just surrender to you and experience your love and healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Woodland Church, I want us to sing to the Lord because He's a God who heals. And I just really feel like God is wanting to heal today. Heal broken relationships, broken marriages, broken hearts, broken lives. God wants to heal today. God wants to heal physically. Now, 
I believe God heals physically today, and we've seen it so many times, miraculous healings as our pastors and our prayer teams pray, and maybe that's what you wanna pray for. Um, Sometimes he heals immediately. We've seen that over and over. Sometimes it's delayed healing, where we pray and the healing doesn't happen right away. It's through doctors, and it's a process of healing. It's through medicine and technology that he uses, and, or it just takes time. And then there's ultimate healing, because everyone who gets healed physically on this earth will still die. And the ultimate healing is heaven, when we're totally restored. And we have heaven as believers, and so I don't know. We leave it to God to heal the way he wants to physically, but he also heals broken emotions. He heals damaged emotions, and he heals hurts and deep wounds and traumas, and we want to pray for you. And he heals spiritually, and that's salvation, and that's the greatest kind of healing. But I believe God wants to heal today. He's a wonder-working God. He wants to show you that he's real, and if you've never experienced his realness in your life, today he wants to show you that he's real. Let's sing it to our wonder-working God. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.